Hey, TUMC. Welcome to our very first episode of Voices, our podcast that you can find on our app and Spotify and Apple Podcast. We're focusing on Advent for the first part of our podcast. And for week one, the theme is watch. We'll be using the scripture from Mark chapter 13, verses 24 through 37 that we're going to read. And you're welcome to follow along in your devotional booklet. If you haven't gotten a booklet yet, you can find one at the church office or outside of the sanctuary on Sunday morning. This week, Reverend Abigail Parker Herrera and I will be speaking with one of our favorite people, the Reverend Dr. Jim Mayfield. Reverend Mayfield is a retired elder here in the Rio, Texas Conference of the United Methodist Church. If you know anything about our conference, it spans a great deal of the state, and he has served at churches all over the place. He served here at TUMC Austin as senior pastor from 1988 through 2006. He is a beloved member of this church. He goes to the Swift Sunday School class, and if you're lucky, you'll get to hear him teach a Sunday School class, and I believe he's leading a Bible study in the spring. Today, Pastor Abby and I are going to be talking about watching, and Reverend Dr. Mayfield is going to share some stories of his own about watching, and some of these stories deal with medical situations. Some of them deal with death. They're beautiful stories, but we just want y'all to know so that you can take care of yourselves. Now let's sit back, take a breath, and enjoy some time together. The scripture for this week is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, verses 24 through 37. In those days, after the suffering of that time, the sun will become dark and the moon won't give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the planets and other heavenly bodies will be shaken. Then they will see the human one coming in the clouds with great power and splendor. And he will send the angels and gather together his chosen people from the four corners of the earth, from the end of the earth to the end of heaven. Learn this parable from the fig tree. After its branch becomes tender and it sprouts new leaves, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see these things happening, you know that he's near at the door. I assure you that this generation won't pass away until all these things happen. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will certainly not pass away. But nobody knows when that day or hour will come, not the angels in heaven and not the Son. Only the Father knows. Watch out. Stay alert. You don't know when the time is coming. It is as if someone took a trip, left the household behind, and put the servants in charge, giving each one a job to do, and told the doorkeeper to stay alert. Therefore, Stay alert. You don't know when the head of the household will come, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows in the early morning or at daybreak. Don't let him show up when you weren't expecting and find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to all. Stay alert. I was about five years old, maybe. And we spent, I spent all my summers with my grandparents because that was back in the days of polio. So mother would send us to the, my grandparents to be on their, their farm and ranch. And when dad got his vacation, he would come join us. 
And I always look forward to that because when dad came, then we were going to go down to Wallace Creek and fish. And that was a big deal for daddy to come. And so on a certain day, dad was going to come and leave there as soon as he got off work. We left about three or four hours away. And, uh, oh, I was real excited. And I said, oh, I'm going to stay up till he gets here. Brother said, no, so we don't know when he's coming. So things could happen. He may not get here till way after midnight. You know. Well, I was just I just wanted wanted to wanted to be there and be an alert. So I decided because I'd seen it work in a cartoon. <laughs> I got some of my kite string and I tied it around my toe, and then I ran. ran I was sleeping on a pallet in the in, in the living room next to the fireplace. Ran it around through the entry area and tied it to the door. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, apparently Dad had gotten away earlier, and I heard Mother say, oh, he was already here. Well, I forgot about my string. <laughs> so, <laughs> no. so I went running out and got yanked to the ground. <laughs> 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 I went to college in Los Angeles, and sometimes my friends and I would go down to Santa Monica to browse around Third Street Promenade, and there would be the people with the cardboard box signs (laughs) saying the end is near. And while I've been thinking about the reading from Mark this week, I've been thinking about those folks because I used to kind of want to judge them, and now I think, well... They were prepared. <laughs> but was that the right kind of preparing? I I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, the, the passage from Mark fits a pattern that's in the Bible. And uh, they all, part of what they, they have an outline that's s- s- sort of the same, is that they're, they're, they've been going through some really bad times. And um, there's some persecution usually that's been involved in their going through mm-hmm. the bad times uh, that they're going through. And uh, what enables them to cope with the bad times they're going through is looking forward to when God gets even and God blesses them. Mm-hmm. There's both, both those things going on. You know, yeah. the, the bad guys are finally going to get theirs. <laughs> You know, we're finally going to get our reward. (laughs) Uh, That's caricature, but but that outline is sort of there, and that and that outline is sort of in uh, in this passage. You know, y'all y'all been pastoring long enough to know how when people are in really bad times, and particularly if they're bad times that have been caused by someone or some group outside themselves, right. there is a deep hunger for justice. And justice doesn't always come. Yeah, I was definitely, you know, I was reading a couple of commentaries about this passage to get ready for today. And, um, one of them talked about the tension of this particular text from Mark about the um, the immediacy, like it's going to happen at any time, be on your guard, and 
the reminder that, well, God's time isn't quite our time, <laughs> you know, and how we live in that tension really is, um, you know, part of the the difficulty, I think, of being a Christian, right, of wanting God to show up um, and wanting things to get right and then trying to figure out, well, if it's not going to be today, what am I supposed to do with today? There's a real danger in going that direction too far in that it no longer puts me as the servant of God. It puts God as the servant of me. Mm-hmm. And so, God, when are you going to rescue me and get all this stuff right? And I think the watching is not, well, when I was a child, I went to the movies almost every Saturday. And that was back in the days when they not only had a feature, they would sometimes have a double feature and they would have the news and they would have <laughs> cartoons and the cereal and all that kind of stuff. You know, you always waited for because you knew the cavalry was going to come. So you kept listening <laughs> for the bugle call that they're coming from the distance to <laughs> rescue the, the hero and usually the heroine um, and, and that kind of thing. And there are some that have that outlook for God, and that's not exactly the way God works. Yeah. At least that's not been my experience. It certainly wouldn't fit any of the folks who, both Christian and Jews, who were, were caught in Hitler's situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Bonhoeffer was had had left Germany to go pastor a congregation in, in London, and then they the the Nazi state, it was a state religion, really took over the state. Uh, and some people said, aren't you afraid the preachers are going to rise up? And he said, no, they're not going to rise up. He said they know where their money comes from. Bonhoeffer went back to Germany and ran the underground seminary. And, of course, with the spies and all, they, would, they got caught with, with that and corresponded with those students, all of whom at that time were put into the infantry and put in the front lines on the Eastern Front, uh, which was a semi-death sentence mm-hmm, yeah. uh, of where that was. Uh, and at that point in time, particularly if you were in Germany, it was pretty grim. Yeah. It was pretty grim. And no, no bugles <laughs> coming no, no, that way. No, there, there, were, <laughs> there were no bugles. There was hope, though, the way Bonhoeffer faced his death. You know, one of the last things he said, I can't remember the quotation exactly, but it was basically, for me, this is the beginning, as yeah. opposed to this being the end. But it's real easy for well-meaning Christians to get on that slippery slope of God's coming to the rescue. And uh, it doesn't always play out according to our script. When I know when I read this passage, I think because maybe it's because I'm not living under some sort of terrible persecution, but I get really anxious 
about the ways I'm really failing and not being good Christian or not watching the right way, the right ways. Um, And there's a part, the part in this text that can actually bring me comfort is that God might take longer (laughs) than tomorrow. You know, that God's patience and grace is there too of letting allowing us to work some things out. Well, there's also the part of the passage where he's talking about the the metaphor about the owner has gone away and people he has assigned to each of the people their job to do. Mm-hmm. And part of the watch is don't let God catch you being loafing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> not doing what you're supposed to be doing that the watching is not just standing on the front porch watching for daddy to come, right. you know, but it has to do with a charge to keep I have. Well, and I know I can, I've watched that way. You know, I don't know if y'all ever experienced as a child, you know, your story of your dad coming in a good way, but I've also got the stories of where, you know, you caused some trouble and your mom says, wait till your dad gets home. <laughs> and you're sort of watching out in the driveway, listening for the sound of your imminent judgment <laughs> that's about to come at you. <laughs> and I think there are elements of that in this text for me sometimes. Um, you know, I, there's a fear and trembling there. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, 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 there is. But it is a, it's a looking for hope. Mm-hmm. You know, the watching that takes place in my best times, <laughs> we're not talking about the others right now, but in the best times are when you hang on to, well, I've had some, it had, as, as is true of all of us who get a lot of mileage on us, we've gone through things, some of them grim, kind you don't talk about because talk about it would hurt people or whatever but they're painful very painful situations to go through Uh, certainly every parent at some point has those in varying degrees as they get their kids get into adolescence sometimes make wrong choices about the groups they want to be with and what they need to do to be part of that group and uh, a kind of watching (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that the parent is doing is the kind of watching that we assume God is doing. But it's a, it, the watching that God is doing is a watching of benevolence. Mm. But it's a benevolence that has the capacity for trust, tough love, because mm. transformation seldom happens without tough love. Well, I started thinking about a sermon I recently heard on the parable of the bridesmaids. And it was a really interesting interpretation where the pastor asked the question, what if the ones who fell asleep were simply exhausted because of the privilege they lacked in life? And what if we're the prepared ones and God is calling us to watch for those who don't have the privilege and equip them to stay awake and do the preparation work they need to do. Mm-hmm. 
that'll preach. I'm not sure that's what the author meant, but that would, <laughs> that'll, that'll preach. <laughs> no, it really will. It's very yeah. compassionate. Yeah. It's very, it's, it's, it's true to the gospel message. Um, but yeah. Anyone that's been around a lot of funerals knows that folks can just get utterly exhausted and pretty soon the tail is wagging the dog. I think that's what I do. You know, I know I've said that this passage sometimes can make me anxious, but I do think there's a lot of um, grace in the passage. I think... And it might be a Protestant work ethic or something. You know, maybe it's a very American thing to look at this passage and sort of feel like, okay. Or maybe it's a very Methodist thing that I'm like, okay, what is the checklist that we should be doing every single day to remain watchful and prepared? You know, are the wicks trimmed? Is there oil in the lamp? Do I have all these things done? Um, I think that's the mode I kind of go into, which is probably why I love John Wesley and you know, everything was a list and you could accomplish it. Um, and I think, you know, talking about Advent, I can kind of go into Christmas that way too. You know, you have this list of things you have to accomplish and then Christmas will happen and it'll be good and you'll have done everything on the, the list to make it great. But there's that part in the passage that's about, um, you know, like a fig tree, Jesus talks about the parable of the fig tree in that passage. And um, the first time I, well, the first time I reread it for our discussion, you know, it says, learn this parable from the fig tree. After its branch becomes tender and sprouts new leaves, you know that the summer is near. And the first time I read it, I was like, that's not really much of a parable. You know, it's just how things grow, you know? I don't know what I'm supposed to get from that. But the more that we've talked, I've found that to be a place of grace mm -hmm. because you just have to, to grow like a fig tree does. Yeah, you do. And, and to be alert to the signs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that you don't even see the signs of hope that are in the fig trees get about ready to bring you some good fruit to eat. And you can stay on your business and feel all alone and isolated and just seeing all the bad things. And you don't see the sign of the fig tree. It's hard for us Methodists to sometimes really believe that we're saved by grace and not by works. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We really do want to get it right. And I think one of the things, um, one of the things that's so hard about that is how completely unpredictable life can be. I'm thinking about my cousin. Um, he passed away last summer from acute myeloid lymphoma. He'd been sick for a really, really long time. And he decided he was ready to stop receiving treatment and go home, stay comfortable and get to see everybody he loved. And it was about a three month period where his body healed from all the treatment and he started putting on weight and his hair grew back in and he was so happy and acting like himself again. And as a family, we had this brief moment where we thought, is he getting better? It wasn't two weeks before um, he passed away, but 
in the time that we had with him, they're some of my favorite memories of him. He told my son how to build a car from scratch because that's what he did for his job. <laughs> we got to say all the things that you would want to say so to someone who you love. I actually got to be in the room with him when he passed. And this was the first time I had ever experienced this. I could feel God's presence in the room. And I don't believe that <laughs> I don't believe that illness or anything is God's will, but it all just felt in order and holy and right. And it was very, very sad, but I was also very comforted because, like you said, the watching is a period of grace because God watches along with us. And none of us had any doubt that my cousin went straight to be with God. No doubt in any of our minds. I missed being able to say goodbye to Rita. We'd gotten in bed and she she uh, would always do crossword puzzles and I quite often went to sleep before she did. And <clears throat> so I just, as I usually did, reached up and patted her on the cheek and said, I sure love you, honey. That's about the last thing I said to her. She woke me some not too long later. I dropped off to sleep, but she woke me and she said, I I am really hurting in my chest. And I said, well, she had bad acid reflux and we had had lasagna. I said, is it lasagna or something else? She says, I think it's something else. I said, let's go to the emergency room. So I got up and was getting dressed. And the next thing I was aware of was she said to me, I can't stand up. And I said, okay, I'm calling EMS. So I called EMS and we live close. And they were there within no more than 10 minutes. And they came in, the woman was asking her questions, and then one of the people said, I'm losing blood pressure, and the other one said, I'm losing pulse, and she passed out. And they immediately went into doing all the CPR stuff and giving her the shots of this, that, and the other. I mean, I was, I was in shock. When I called MS to come, I immediately called Harold Kane and, and said, Harold, uh, I'm calling Miss Rita, and I'm going to be going to the hospital. And I, I, I really would appreciate you going with me so you can decode for me. Well, as he and, and Carol were driving over to my house, they started calling the Swift class that lived in our neighborhood so that when the woman said, you've got friends out there, why don't you go out to where your friends are? And uh, the den was full. It was, it was comforting. But then in some period of time, 30, 45 minutes later, the lady came and knelt beside the chair where I was and said, I'm sorry, we couldn't get it to restart. So from the time we said we're going to the EMS until she was dead was probably not more than 30 minutes. There was no goodbye time. Each of my parents died in my arms. Mm -hmm. Physically. <laughs> and with both of them, it was gift, which turns it around. And when I see what some of my closest friends are going through with their spouses, I can see gift in, in, in her death. My mother prayed fervently a lot. Anyway, she... <laughs> <laughs> The last two or three years of her life, her fervent prayer was, 
God, please let me die before I totally lose my mind. (laughs) I fully understand both what she was saying and the intensity with which she says it because what happens, what I'm going through right now, is the awareness. My brain doesn't work like my brain used to work. Functions okay. But all that stuff about the brain messaging to each other slows down, you better put that in bold prints. (laughs) (laughs) Now, it's comforting beyond death, beyond the physical dying, to focus on whatever it is that happens, you know. And I I don't know what happens when we die, you know. Yeah. What the, you know, I think everything that the mothers and fathers of the faith have said and written about what happens when we die is their um, most devout, faithful imagination. But we don't know what happens. I, I, when I was about a sophomore in college, one Sunday evening in the college group, we got into this brouhaha conversation about are only those who have confessed Jesus with their lips going to go to heaven? Mm-hmm. And we got into it, and it went round and round as only sophomores who know so much <laughs> can go round and round and round and round. And right. the, the pastor said, Dr. Hill, what do you think about all this? He said, well, let me ask you a couple of questions. Says, uh, do you believe that God is wiser than humans could ever, ever, ever comprehend? But do you believe God is more loving than we can ever grant? What are you worried about? Mm-hmm. You know, has to do with trusting. I think the more we get into trying to visualize and anticipate, it's when we begin to slip from faith into religion. There's a big difference between being religious and being faithful. Yeah. Being religious helps you if you're faithful, but being religious ain't what faithfulness is. That makes me think of your lists. <laughs> because, like lists? yes, they can be comforting, they can be grounding, and when there's a lot of uncertainty happening, and um, I know you have many things going on in your life right now, so you've got this list that you can always you can always return to, and as long as you don't let the list rule you, you know, let, let God's grace work in and through it. I know an image that I'm going to be carrying into Advent from this conversation is the image of you watching for hoping that Rita would be revived. But that group of church members, friends, sitting with you, watching in the dark, I mean, that's the kind of list that I want to build. I want the list of people that will show up in the dark. The community of faith is the church, not the organization. Mm. And if it's not a community of faith, you're just in a religious club. (laughs) Anytime you're having to cope with the oncoming future, there is... There is a watching that takes place. I think our most significant living out of faith 
is when we live out of faith without thinking about living out of faith. Mm. I played football. If if you're not playing the game, you don't play the game well. If you try to do all the fundamentals you've been taught, thinking about the fundamentals, you're not going to get anything. (laughs) You're going to get run over. (laughs) Uh, So that faithful living, all this other stuff is preparation for that birth or that death or that whatever. My mother's death was semi-humorous. She was aware that her memory was becoming an issue and a problem. She'd been saying, asking us to come see her, come see her. So we said, okay, we'll, we'll do that. So we went down there, and uh, we got there on a Friday night and uh, went in to see her. And she looked so good. She had really gone down, and she was she was not a person who dolls up, but she she had obviously had her hair done and she, her makeup was just so and she had on new clothes and all this kind of stuff and we had a good time and she said well let's just visit but said this apartment's small so why don't we go in my bedroom there are two good chairs and I can get in bed and I'll be comfortable so we did and we talked and we got memory and laughed memory and laughed laughed, laughed a lot of laughter finally about nine o'clock she said y'all go on to your sister's and, and um, we'll because we've got a full day planned tomorrow I said fine I need I need to call my daughter who lived close by just to tell her what was going on. Well, I, as soon as Betty said hello, mother burped, but what came out was blood. Mm. And uh, my mother, she just looked at me and went, and then lost consciousness. She uh, just pointed knowingly at you. Yeah, she she knew what she was telling me, you know. Prayer has been answered. That was the Reverend Dr. Jim Mayfield, one of our favorite people. We're so grateful that he came today. And he talked about watching, which is the theme for the first week of Advent. And before we say goodbye, I wanted to let you know about a few things that are coming up. Next Tuesday night, December 5th, is going to be the all-church Christmas spaghetti supper. Come and build your own perfect pasta plate and enjoy some christmas theme activities. And then next Sunday, December 10th, there will be a food truck from 9.30 to 11 serving up cinnamon rolls and coffee. And that Sunday is also going to be lessons and carols at all three worship services. Roland has a wonderful program with musicians, the choir singing special songs, and I think there's going to be some kiddos singing too, so you don't want to miss it. Blessings to all of you this week, and we'll see you next Friday. You're now a blessing for today. And if you're listening while you're driving, don't close your eyes, but feel free to focus on something that brings you peace or um, put something in your mind that helps you focus on God, even if you're on Mopac. Let's pray together. God, we give you thanks and praise for this time to come together and meditate on your word. We ask that you keep our eyes open. Let us be faithful to you in every minute of every hour as we watch for your coming. God, let us see you in every single thing we're doing. Let us have our eyes open 
and give us an awareness of your presence. God, this scripture is about the end of days and the beginning of something new. But help us understand that every single day is a chance to start over. It's a chance to be new again. Get rid of any anxiety that this scripture text might give us about you showing up in whatever we're doing. And instead, let us have peace as we look forward to the ways you are breaking into the world, even right now. Amen.